Yes! Welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast, brought to you by Top Football Club, Top FC on YouTube, and the Football Tonight Podcast. We are recording this on December 17th. I am your host, Laurent 14s. In this episode, Arsenal out to Zerby Brighton, Newcastle and Spurs keep it going, City gets soft versus Crystal Palace. But first, the biggest game in English football, it's Liverpool, it's United, it just ended at Anfield, nil, nil. Very exciting. Before we get to that, please like and subscribe to the show. All this stuff happens because of the amazing Chris, because of our growing podcast channel. He made that fine intro for me so you can see more stuff, more items, everything growing, everything happening as quickly and as amazing as possible. So please like and subscribe to the show and let's get to it. First, before I get to Anfield versus, uh, before we get to Anfield, the Manchester United and, um, and, and Liverpool, I want to say today we had something, yesterday we had something very scary. Uh, Tom Lockyer, the captain of Luton town collapsed on the field, similar to what happened with, um, with Christian Eriksen during the Euros two years ago. Uh, he's fine. Uh, it's sad. Uh, it's scary. Uh, and this happened to him six months before in the championship game to bring Luton to the Premier League. Um, it would appear to me that his career is over, but thankfully his life isn't over. Um, football means nothing, ultimately, when we really get down to it. And to see the way that Brighton reacted to see that they canceled the game, to see the way uh, all the fans at the Vitality Stadium cheered for Lockyer to come off. All the players reacted really quickly. It's clear they had some inkling, not inkling, but they had seen it before, thankfully, and reacted very quickly. So thoughts and prayers, something I hate to say because it doesn't mean anything because we say it in this country far too often, but really... Uh, important. We don't want people dying on the field. And so Tom Lackier is well. Uh, he embodies something. And I have a little rant, not a rant, but something good about uh, football. Lockyer and Luton embody something amazing about British football. And it is the hope. It is the smaller clubs. There are Several things going on in the Premier League at one time. You have legacy clubs and Champions League. That's happening at the top. You have aspirant clubs like Brighton and, and Brentford hoping to crack in and, and Aston Villa actually being a big club that's coming back. But then you have a whole nother league going on underneath that. And that's for the Lutons, the Burnleys, the, the Nottingham Forests that do embody something of the culture of British football, of English football especially. And if you don't pay attention and feel that part of the game, then, then I think you're missing something about English football. And the reason why Manchester United and Liverpool matter so much is because they hearken back to that. There is a feeling inside Anfield. There is a feeling inside Old Trafford. And it's part of the reason my club, Manchester City, aren't loved because we're not in our home ground. We've lost that connection to the thread of English football history. And I can't argue with that. I'm not English. 
but I have a deep, deep appreciation for what football means, about why it matters, about what it means culturally and for an area. And I think, you know, having Lockyer go down and having Luton Town in this division really picks that up for me. And so we should never forget that. As much as we do it for the entertainment and we love the whole thing, there are people that live in these towns and these towns represent those people. And I don't think we can ever forget those connective threads of club to the players, to the people, and back again. And that spinning spiral is what makes football so exciting. And it's why I get so fired up about it and why I get upset about VAR and all these things. But anyway, uh, that's my thing. Good luck, Tom Lockyer. Good luck, Luton Town. And let's get to it. Um, Liverpool, Manchester United. From a game perspective, ooh, not a great game to watch, to be fair. Um, we can go through the lineups and sort of see uh, a different midfield. That midfield is growing for Liverpool. We've got Gravenbeck, Endo, and Slobazai. Not too different. No McAllister, and you could see it. The front three of Liverpool are killers. Uh, this is Liverpool's best defense right now without having uh, Robertson. So everything from Liverpool's perspective was as it should be. The United side of Varane and Johnny Evans in defense was just uh, just shocking. And then Mino with Amrabat and all these players, McTominay, Anthony, Garnacho, there didn't feel, if you watch United on a regular basis, there were no partnerships. Nothing, nothing was connected. I couldn't get a sense of anything that really was really connecting here that I that I liked, that I saw, that felt good. So as you're watching the game, you're like, Ugh, this could go badly. And I predicted a 3-0, to be fair. But I will give credit to United. They held firm. They played as a group. They played for each other. They played for the manager. That's about as much as you can give from this team. I think where United are, and then we'll get to Liverpool after United. United can take this as a good performance in terms of defending as a group. They were never going to score. They never really had any creative moments. They had moments of solidity, moments as a group. Uh, Onana had to make a couple saves here and there. But if you look at, you know, Chris has been on this, and I think he's right, this attack momentum thing, this really shows all the green. Everything was on the United side. And if we go even further, you know, expected goals, possession, 34 shots. A lot of these, by the way, this number and these expected goals, a lot of these were not dangerous shots. I don't think that I felt like you could say that there were giant missed chances by Liverpool. They completely dominated the game. I mean, it's clear. It's here. It, the numbers speak to the performance in terms of who dominated and who did what. But there was something disconnected about Liverpool, despite the numbers that felt like, oh, this is weird. Like, if you look at this lineup and you see Johnny Evans and Varane in there with Amrabat and Mino, 18-year-old Mino, you think to yourself, oh, this is an opportunity for Liverpool to really blow this team away. And they could never get connected. Um, I'm not going to call out Endu as the reason for it, but one thing to keep an eye on, and I noticed it as I was watching it with our ch group chat um, that for the Squeaky Bum Time podcast is 
Endo is not a good, is not great on the turn. And why is that important? Because the attacks were slow. They were never really getting United in any sort of transition. And that could have been the way United played, but it felt slow. It didn't feel like Endo could take the ball in a half turn from defense, turn and spray it wide. He kind of would get it from Van Dyke or get it from Kanate and throw it back into him. So there was some slowness there. And these are nitpicky. I mean, the, the, the performance by Liverpool is dominant. It, it just is, even though you can nitpick and it didn't feel right because they didn't win. The narrative of this game is Liverpool not are disjointed, not putting in a performance, and United being heroic because of the expectations. On its own, as a game, this is really another kind of sad display of, a, of where United are in terms of just like, hey, what is happening with this club? Let's look. I don't know if this shows up on the show. I just looked at something interesting. Yeah, it does show up. Oh, that's good. Um, look at where Liverpool were as a group. Camped in the half, you see Konate and and Van Dyke really high up uh, and narrow. They, maybe they could have used some width to sort of split out uh, United and United basically in the center. So you can see this is the the rules of engagement, right? It's just congested, tight liver with United never really going wide or deeper. This this was the game. It really was in this kind of space. Uh, there was one save that Allison made that sort of Hoyland got in once. And I think this is where United are. They are a team that has to go to Liverpool and sit deep and hope they don't get beat. But despite that, I think United fans will feel good. I think John in our chat group was happy. I think, you know, a draw as a City fan... If you go to Anfield and you get a draw, regardless of the performance, that is good. And so United can go home and say, we did what we had to do. And I think one of the things that I do give credit for Ten Hag for is, as much as all these things are happening to this team, they do play for him. And I think fundamentally, he knows the limitations of his team. They cannot attack and play the way he wants to. They just can't because they don't have the players to do it. I think that some version of this team will be able to be that. I think, you know, Lissandro Martinez being in will, will cause a bit of a better chance. I think uh, Casemiro replacing Amrabat will make it a little bit better. Uh, I think the Dallow and Shaw thing, Shaw has made a difference to this United team. I think they have a better chance of moving forward. The Anthony thing is not working. Garnacho and Anthony really couldn't get anything going. And again, that three, this whole attacking group of Anthony, McTominay, Garnacho, and Hoyland, they don't connect with each other. And so you can't exploit anything that they do. Uh, I thought on the on the Liverpool attack side, Endo really slowed them down. Trent seem to keep trying to cross things. They just couldn't connect. Um, and I think this does say more for the narrative as we go into the other games. I don't think Liverpool are really ready for the title yet. Uh, I thought last week they were, but this game puts a little more doubt into me. I, I still think it's... I still think it's it's Arsenal's here to win and take on 
uh, something. So Liverpool lose a chance to go top of the league. They draw at home. Never a good result for a team at this level. Uh, but they 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 don't have to be worried about it. Again, they another day they win this game easily. I mean, it's not even close. Uh, I thought United, perceptively, yes. Perceptively, United were better in the second half. They got an extra half a goal there. First half, they didn't do anything. Uh, no shots on goal. Second half was a bit more frantic and whatever. But they do take it. And United live another day. Ten Hag gets another performance out of this maddening team uh, and does get to tick over another day where they can, you know, feel as though perhaps they have a shot. I mean, again, this is very compressed. 39, 38, 33, 34, 33. It's not, no one's running away with it. We're basically all three teams tied. And then the team that was the favorite is not. So uh, it's just the where we are right now. Now, let us go to uh, today's games because it's more in my mind and I watched it just recently. The Arsenal-Brighton game. This was a really fantastic performance by Arsenal. Uh, I have a lot of respect for uh, my beloved um, Brighton. And to batter this team, this Brighton team, and let me tell you, it was a battering. So first half, nothing. Nothing from uh, Brighton at all. No shots on target, nothing. That is doesn't happen. Second half, a little bit more from Brighton, so a bit more even. They actually had the ball more, so... Uh, to be fair, there was a little bit of pressure put on by Brighton, but the defense for Arsenal is just airtight. And this man, Mr. Declan Rice, is the best player in the division this year outside of Rodri. He just stopped everything. He muscled and annihilated um, um, uh, Billy Gilmore. It was just a strong powerful performance that cannot be discounted. He was not dribbled past interceptions, blocks. He was everywhere. And this midfield of Gilmore and Gross just got overpowered by Havertz uh, and Declan Rice. Just They just couldn't cope with them. Um, and it was coming. The whole game, you felt like Arsenal was going to score. They did have that quick passing from last season. And I think after this week, I now feel a bit more. I mean, I was confident I picked Arsenal to win the league, but I do believe that Arsenal right now are the favorites to win this division, especially what we've seen from United, especially what we've seen at home, especially when we think about defense. Arsenal are not as fluid in attack, but this man, number 41, Declan Rice, will be the Premier League player of the season if this team wins a division. He's been that important for Arsenal. He's essentially um, a Beckenbauer, a defender who can take these balls from these two defenders, from Gabriel and Saliba. He takes the ball and he carries it upfield and he makes other teams unable to get the ball off him because he's so goddamn big with Rice and Havertz in there. And now I get the sort of meaning of Havertz. He's a big SOB, six foot one good on the ball. Does he do as much as you'd like? No, but now he's scored four goals in his last seven. So now Havertz is coming on as much as I dislike his languid, sad playing style. But now you're starting to see the the idea of what um, 
the idea of what Arteta had in mind. Uh, this was a little bit nervy. I will say it was nervy uh, in this game. There were moments where you kind of felt there was a chance that um, that Brighton could get back in the game. Specifically, uh, Pascal Gross missed one. The triple change on 58 changed this game a little bit for um, for for um, Brighton when Lalana, Ferguson, and Milner went out. Uh, I think Pornanote and, and Julio made a difference. I mean, Lalana and Milner are both in their mid-30s and just can't hang uh, with these teams. So just a better, more fluid. And I think, you know, the Thursday-Sunday thing for Brighton is probably a bridge too far. Uh, stop for a second. And Lewis Dunk, I've never loved a defender more. This was all desperation. There was one moment Lewis Dunk cleared a ball off the line, stopped the cross, and then after he stopped the cross, ran full speed into a shot and took a shot off the balls. I mean, Lewis Dunk is just an immense defender. I I love him so much. And you can see here from the ratings here, he's a six, he's a six, seven and a half. Verbruggen's a 7.7 and Pascal Gross 6.7.1. That's about right. Like these two, these three guys really held this team together. Uh, you know, just a good performance. Nothing from Matoma. Matoma vanished. Ben White ate him along with Saliba. Saliba was incredible. Um, just all around really good arsenal right now. And they can feel like, uh, you know, they got their 1-0 against uh, Villa, and they can feel good about where they are. Just about as good as you could expect from Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, just a good, good game. Really strong performance from the arsenal. You know, Verbruggen Dunk have, have to be the best players in the match for... Uh, for Brighton, which is not good. Saka had a lot of opportunity. Didn't really get any of those things connected to anyone. So a little bit weird there. Odegaard missed a couple of really good shots. Uh, but I think Arsenal will feel really good about this and not worried about where they are in the pecking order. They sit top of the table at seven, at almost 17 rounds. Now, they're probably 10 points off of where they were last. Well, not 10, but they're probably a few points off where they were last season, uh, but they're still really, really good. And Arsenal should feel good about their position. They're the favorites right now to be sure. Now, ugh, I don't want to talk about this game. My beloved Manchester city. It is just, I mean, what is this with this team? Complete, utter and total dominance. Across the board, everything's working fine, and they just have a two-goal lead. They blow a two-goal lead for the first time in 85 games at home, and they just yak this game. They're up two, and they blow it in the final uh, 20 minutes of the game. They're just finding ways to lose. A penalty in the 95th minute, that's a clear penalty. I mean, what? Is Phil Foden doing kicking guys in shins? Um, I don't know what to say about my team. It's very hard for me to sort of be critical of a team that completely dominates a game, you know, 79 on everything, and then just shits it. Uh, now, are they creating enough chances? No, no, they're not creating enough chances. Uh, you know, look at this. The first half was completely dominant. The second half owned. By Crystal Palace, 
now 0.7 of that is a penalty. The other one is the shot that they actually got, which is right in front of goal. So they do get a lot of XG points there. But City just, this is kind of feels when you're 3% off of your thing and you're just not there. It's really hard to get frustrated and upset at this team. Uh, They're coming off the treble season. They're now trying to win the Club World Cup out in uh, Saudi Arabia. They play the Red Antlers of Japan. So that's a thing that they have to try and do. But I'm less concerned about City and more just like, yeah, what did you think was going to happen? It's very, very hard to get up for a game against Crystal Palace when you're the treble champions that just don't feel the juice. The, the action is the juice, and they did all the action. So that's where they are. Uh, it, it, you know, there's a lot of city going around like, oh, what's Guardiol doing? Why is Rico Lewis playing? Oh, Phil Foden stinks. Oh, where's Grealish? What's Bernardo doing? All these things that we're just trying to find a reason for something, when sometimes there's just no reason. It's just human nature. We're people. Tom Lockyer had a heart attack on the pitch. City are down a level after completing football. So it's really hard for them to get back into gear. And I think that they're thinking perhaps late in the season, perhaps when the juice turns up, perhaps if they feel like they're out, perhaps, you know, they just need that extra gear. Perhaps Kevin De Bruyne yelling at people and Pep, let me talk. Coming back will turn them around. Perhaps Holland scores an extra goal here or there to save their bacon. But there's a lot of things going on. They're not creating as much. They're giving up more. It's not just Rodri. There's more to it. It's just not clicking. There's, like I said, 3% motivation, 2% luck, and all of a sudden, you're off your game. It just happens. Uh, It's really hard to get frustrated at this team. And anyone who's like, pep out, or this out, or this person out, or drop this person, or what's wrong with that person, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Do you love your team? Do you love this team? Yes, there's a lot of players missing. There's a lot of care personalities. There's no Laporte. There's no Gundogan. There's no Mares. All those players are gone. It's true. It happened. And the recruiting hasn't quite worked. And and Nunez, Mateus Nunez and Kovacic are not replacing uh, Gundogan. And, you know, I think Daka, who's been hurt, has probably replaced uh, Mares. But, you know, whatever. And and Phil Foden is still not playing 90 minutes every game of every moment and controlling everything the way we want him to. So there's just a lot of little things and whatever. For the um, Palace side, they get to say we drew against the champions. Uh, Elise and Eze coming back is huge for them. When Anderson, Gehey, Elise, and Eze are in this team, they're going to be fine. I think the question for them is... Is survival enough? Do they actually want to kick on? Do they sign someone like Graham Potter? Do they find the next super young hotshot manager and try and go the Vieira path again and see if they can go? Uh, It seems they try this every few years. They go back and forth and then back to Uncle Roy and see where they are. But um, a good performance by by Crystal Palace or a limited team. Uh, Elise is the best player they have. Uh, he's fantastic. If you don't like Michael Elise, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but it was ne- nice to see Eze come on. Uh, he's one of my favorite players in the division. Uh, but yeah, look at this city bench. It's just Oscar, Bob, Shusho. These these four guys have these five of these guys don't 
ever play. Uh, Stones came on one substitution. So there's this constant problem with City is that they can't sort of see out games. Things just aren't working for them. Uh, it's very weird. They could still win. It's still there for them, um, but they are now inconsistent. And the levels of invincibility are not there. Any team knows that they can sit deep and expect City to slow down because they don't change any players and that their heads drop and they get lazy or they something happens to them and they're able to uh, break them down. So very weird, very odd, very, very strange from Manchester City. I don't understand it. Okay, where do we go? Where does football go from here? Um, we talked Liverpool, Arsenal. We talked City. We'll talk uh, Aston Villa. They come off a battle with Brentford, their championship rival. Weirdly, uh, if you don't know this, um, Aston Villa battled Brentford in the championship for two seasons just to get out. So there's a lot of good history here. Uh, you have Ben Mee almost doing a leg breaker on Bailey, gets sent off. Brentford are up a goal on their classic Brentfordiness, but this is not your mother's uh, Aston Villa. And this team is spirited. This is a this is a team who's managed by a forgotten manager who feels disrespected. And the fact of the matter is, Unai Emery's team fights the way he does. It's kind of got a chip on its own shoulder wait where, what game, where's the game i'm looking for right, here we go uh and we ended up this game with two reds it was a bit of an up and down affair a bit more from uh from from uh, from villa than brentford but still really fun really battling really teams that have bad blood between each other and i think we need that i think the league can be better when there's a little bit of fight within the game uh, Potter got the goal for um, for for Brentford and Damsgaard we're seeing in. So a lot of changes for Brentford here. Uh, Zanka is not a regular. So they're dealing with some injuries. They got some players in. No Mbwumo, no Shada, no, you know, just a bunch of dudes out here. Uh, Dina and, and Louise were suspended. So we saw a little bit of a different midfield from uh, from Villa, and they matched each other with this packed midfield, and it was a fight. It was a fight. But the two late goals, one from Watkins and one from Moreno, just put this game out of reach, and then it got a little bit salty there. Uh, really good, really exciting, um, just edge, a lot of edge, uh, a lot of bad blood. Um, I thought the me tackle on, on um, where, where the hell is his name? Where's the, on Diaby, was it Diaby or I guess it's on Diaby was a little bit harsh. Uh, oh no, sorry, on Leon Bailey was pretty harsh. He got hit really, really hard. Uh, ben Me just put his leg in pretty hard. Uh, this red card late for Kamara was unknown what happened, just like yelling at the ref kind of stuff. Who knows what the hell's going on there? That was weird. Oh, we had that also in the United game. Dallow got sent off for yelling at the ref. I don't understand any of this stuff. They're just acting out of control. It's not really fun to talk about this kind of stuff, but um, I really like Villa. They're tough and winning away from home at Brentford. They're 
local right their sort of recent rival uh is a good win and so villa take those two wins one against arsenal one against manchester united and carry it on and and get that get get that get that machine going oh arsenal and city excuse me aston villa and they get that they get to keep going they get moving and there was some great shit housing here so the great and powerful mr uh neil mope shit housing it up with emilio martinez just some of the best some of the two great assholes in the league fighting it out neil mope and um <laughs> and emmy martinez just put those two in a ring let them fight it out i loved it i love it i love you know when you watch a lot of football over a long period of time you the games kind of wash over each other and you kind of get not bored but you're like you know there's not the games are not enough uh you need to start getting interested in things like what is the pitch like what are the scoreboards like what are these guys shoes like who are the guys that are weird what are the guys that that sort of are have a lot of histrionics and you can just watch emmy martinez all game in goal for villa he's very histrionic uh you know with famously putting the the Golden Glove Award for the World Cup when he won with Argentina on his crotch to say, hey, go F yourself. And then Neil Mope is just a pest. Uh, he lives in the mind of Diego Costa. Uh, he's never scored enough goals to be good enough to really pay attention to. In fact, he was more famous for missing goals. But I used to make fun of Neil Mope. He's just the kind of girl who's trying to bang your sister. He's a scumbag. He's awful. Uh, and then he's got this little face and he has this weird, like he's been in England too long that he has a French accent with like an English accent mixed in. So he's got an Englishy French accent. Very funny. Probably been in, in England since he was like 13 years old. So just a funny little guy. And I love this game for that reason. So Villa now up in second. Is that right? Did I get that right? I think they are, are in second. Yes. Oh, tied, tied for second. Liverpool ahead of them on goal difference. Wow. Wowie wow. Amazing, amazing stuff. Um, so we carry on. Those are the, we carry on into some other games. And after that, Aston Villa, after that, that's our top, that's our top group here. We go into Tottenham who win a game that was tough uh, against um, Nottingham Forest. Not too, too difficult, but they got it done. Um, Brendan Johnson went off in this game so that's kind of a worry for them there uh i would say what, what was i thinking about i have to let me let me look at this game hold on a second <laughs> i don't i don't remember ever i don't remember everything because life moves fast and this was on friday which is already like four days ago <laughs> uh goals goals here from um uh, oh, sorry, Richarlison and Kulishevsky. Now I remember. Uh, Richarlison's revival coming back. Dejan Kulishevsky in the 10, taking over games. He was a man of the match. Uh, ben Davies showing his strong defense. Another one here, though, is the indiscipline of Spurs. Basuma out again with a straight red. Now he'll miss four games, then into Africa. So their best midfielder will probably leave the team. We'll have to see what happens to Spurs there. But they've been hanging in. We, we see how many guys they have out. They're still battling with players. I mean, this is an injury list. Uh, Lissalso now joins the list there. Um, and, you know, Steve Cooper has kept his job. This was not a bad performance by any means by uh, Forrest, just not a good performance. They're not 
really doing enough on a regular basis. They did have opportunities, just not putting things away. When they don't have Iwoni, they don't have a way to score. Elanga probably had the best chance. Guillermo Vicario is just an incredible goalkeeper, probably the keeper of the season. He'll probably win the, well, he won't win the Golden Gloves because he'll give up too many goals, but in terms of what he means to his team, he just makes all the difference in the world. And you can see here this momentum. Uh, Wool, Nottingham Forest really putting the screws on late in the game, even though they were down. Even when 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 uh, Spurs were down a man, you could see it changed the momentum of the game there. And Spurs hung on for another win. Uh, good for them. They needed it. Okay, we carry on. Where was I? Oh. Chris's beloved Newcastle United. Um, an easy performance that they needed against Fulham. Really changed after the red. Uh, Fulham had been flying high uh, really early in the game. That red really kills the game. But Raul Jimenez comes flying into the air. Uh, he does not spike the player. So that's good, but he does knock Longstaff out with his ass. He's flying out of control in the air. Initially a yellow, VAR turns it into a red. Not my favorite. I would have rather just had it be a yellow and kept going. And this 9.3 for Bruno does really show how good he was, along with Dan Byrne. Dan Byrne is just the best. I loved his goal. I loved his celebration. This was, uh, you know, this was Jordy's scoring goals all over the place. I believe it's um, Dan, my, Lewis, young Lewis Miley getting his first goal, and then Dan Byrne, two Geordies scoring goals for Newcastle United. I mean, it's like a fairy tale, uh, and, and Newcastle get their win that they need, frankly. But again, big wins. When they win, they win big. And so their expected goal difference is always really, really high. <laughs> I mean, look at that, three and a half to, to point two. I mean, that's just a huge number. And that skews the numbers. It makes them look like they're gigantic. Uh, but it's good for them to get a win without Trippia, Livermento, and Dan Byrne. They lose Char. They're just still the walking wounded. I think they'll always be okay as long as they have Bruno. Uh, but yeah, Newcastle moving on in round 17. And where do we go? Now. now, now, usually it's Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea get a good win. Um, New Manchester City old boys just putting this thing together for them. Where would they be without Cole Palmer? Honestly, if if Chelsea didn't have Cole Palmer, they would never score. <laughs> uh, now, granted, it was against Sheffield United, who are really really poor. But again, the up and down nature of a young team. Uh, Chelsea at home, getting the wins you'd expect them to get. Even uh, <laughs> even our guy, what's his name? Uh, even our guy, Nicholas Jackson, scoring a goal. That's how you know the team is wild. But it was set up by Palmer. So Palmer has a goal and an assist in this game. He's just fantastic. Uh, he's the kind of player that I feel like City are really missing. But he wanted to leave, so he left. And now Chelsea have his services. And without him, they'd be dead in the water. But they're starting to see some consistency. They're starting to put themselves together. Chelsea, like I said, as the season goes on, as they play together, as everything works out, it will continue to improve week upon week. It'll be up and down, but eventually Chelsea will come good. And I think in the back, 
half of the season, they'll be much, much better. Uh, I don't have much to say about Sheffield United. Just want to shout out my old boy, James McAtee from uh, <laughs> Manchester City. I think he was a teammate of Cole Palmer. They probably played together in the elite development squad, the EDS uh, in Premier League Two. Um, yeah, Chelsea. Now up in 10th place out of the bottom half of the division. But up into 10th place are friends from West Ham and secretly their signing of the season, Mr. Kudos, scoring goals when he wants, when he needs to. Just a fantastic, fantastic signing. What can you say about the great and powerful West Ham that hasn't been said already? Just scoring goals, man. Paqueta, fantastic. Um, scoring the goals. Jared Bowen with one on the break. And Mohamed Kudos with two laser beams uh, to start the scoring. And really, once they've got three goals, there's no way the great and powerful Gary O'Neills are going to pull anything out. Uh, Wolves won't lose this division because of this game. But uh, they'll be frustrated. I think they had another goal chalked off uh, because... Why not? It's Wolves. Why wouldn't VAR take a goal from them? Um, but this was about kudos and what's happening with West Ham. They've finally got the transition away from Antonio up top. So now it's Bowen, kudos up top with um, Paqueta. Wait, who's their, th who's their third? Right. Kudos, Paqueta, Bowen with Ed Alvarez and Suchek holding things down. This team is... Very strong and very, very, very good. Okay, where to go now? I've gone through a bunch of games. I've gone through a bunch of lineups. I've gone through and showed as many things as I possibly can. I'm getting tired of talking about some of these crap teams. I will go to the bottom of the division. Um, we talked about Forest. Uh, we talked about Ever. We have not talked about Everton. Everton. Another fantastic performance, putting Burnley away. Uh, they would be in the top half if it weren't for their 10-point deduction. Since they got the 10-point deduction, they are unbeaten with 12 points. That's how you do it with Dyche. Fantastic, fantastic work there. Incredible stuff by the great and powerful Toffees. Just cruising, not taking any crap from anyone. And then where's the other one? Oh, Bournemouth and Luton. Right. We had the postponement with Lockyer. So that's all the games. This is where we are. We now have Luton and uh, Bournemouth or have a game in hand. You, City will not play next week because they'll be playing in the Carabao Cup. I mean, in the World Cup Championship. So you'll see if Arsenal uh, and Liverpool, who play each other, if Liverpool, if Arsenal win that game, they will have a... They'll be on 42. They'll have an eight-point lead over City, but City will have a game in hand. Okay, big narrative. United, not dead, get a strong draw. The table is shaking itself out. City leaving the door open to everyone. And then Arsenal staying top of the league with a strong, strong performance behind their player of the year in Declan Rice. Liverpool. Their story is still need to figure out the midfield and then Aston Villa doing their best Emery. That's really where we are. That's what I got to say. Uh, I'm sure there's a million things. I'm going to be, of course, tomorrow. 
on the show with Chris. We'll have guests. We'll talk more. I just like to do my show on my own so that I can say what I want to say without anyone else talking. <laughs> okay. That was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Laurent Cortine. That's me. We are the Premier League win of the Top Football Club TV YouTube channel and presented exclusively by the Football Tonight podcast. I record this on Sundays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And everyone, please have a Merry Christmas so you never miss an episode. And please, prayers for Mr. Lockyer and Luton Town. Anyway, thank you and goodbye.